good with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you love the Word tonight? We'll rejoice a minute over it. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. We love the Word. Hallelujah. Glory. Your Word is awesome, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, now are you all in 2 Timothy because you're supposed to be rejoicing and turning at the same time. Hallelujah. And I know some of you can't do that. But, <clears throat> hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there we find out that, first of all, fear is a spirit. God, And it's a spirit that God didn't give us. That when you feel, feel fear coming at you, guess what? It's not God giving it to you or sending it to you. Amen? He's not sending you fear trying to warn you about something or anything like that. And worry, all worry is, is just fearful thoughts that keep replaying themselves over and over and over in our minds. That's what worry is. The devil wants to keep us in the mind realm. He wants us to worry. He wants us to reason. He wants us to try to figure things out. He wants us to try to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to solve the problem. You know, I know some of you have heard Joyce say, Joyce Meyer talk about uh, that the devil saying, what are you going to do? 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 And she, nobody can say it like Joyce. But, you know, we've all heard that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? And uh, hallelujah. That's the devil, folks. That's not God. They're in your mind saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, you know, you know how you've got to, uh, you, you, you just got to get rid of him. Hallelujah. So worry is just this fearful thoughts that just keep going over and over and over in your mind. And the devil wants to keep us in that realm because he wants to keep us out of the spirit realm. You know, uh, and you know, we have, here's what we have to do. We have to hold the battle. There is a battle. There's a battle in the mind. There's the good fight of faith and we have to hold the battle in the spirit realm. We have to force Satan to fight in the spirit realm. Because that's the realm he can't win in. If we come over to the natural realm and we start fighting him with worrying, what am I going to do? And, you know, and we start trying to figure it out and we get in that realm, then he can win. But we have to force the devil to stay in the word realm. And we do that. Well, I gave it away. We do that by keeping the Word held out there. That's how we force Him to stay in the spirit realm, is we keep the Word held out. Because I'll tell you something, the one with the Word of God is the one that wins. Amen? The one with the Word is the one that wins. So we keep that Word held out there, and we force the devil to fight the Word instead of fighting us. Pastor, you know, has told me before when I would get in those, I'd come at him like, I don't know what we're going to do, and look at this, and look at that. And he's going to say, he'd say, Debbie, put the pressure on the Word. Put the pressure on the Word. See, you've got to make sure when the devil tries to put pressure on you that you transfer that pressure over to the Word of God. So we keep the devil in the spirit realm, and he won't stay around long if you keep him in the spirit realm because he already knows what happens to him in that realm. Amen? So if he's sticking around and he's been around for several days, you, that's not what you're doing. That's not where you're at because he'd be running if you were. 
So we have to keep him in the realm where he's defeated. Um, we have to defeat worry and fear with the word. And you can't just think the word. You have to speak it in order for it to be effective. Amen. You can't fight a thought with a thought. You have every thought you have to fight with a word. Amen. With a word. You have to have a word to fight the thought with. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10. And we'll get into this a little bit. I'm telling you, God directed me tonight to come with to you with don't fear and don't worry. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read this first from the King James, and then I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, or that could be natural. They're not natural weapons. They're not of the natural realm. They're not of this earth realm. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The way we cast down those imaginations, those worries, another way of saying worry, those imaginations, those worries, the way we cast them down is with the Word of God, speaking the Word. The way we um, bring every high thought into captivity is with the Word of God. Every thought, we, the way we bring every thought into the obedience of Christ is with the Word of God. By speaking the Word, hallelujah, praise God. So fears and worries are just really imaginations. Think about it. Fear and worry are projections. In other words, of things that haven't happened yet. You're projecting what might happen, what could happen when you're in fear and worry. Hallelujah. It's an imagination gone wild. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, one thing that they use is that acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. It appears so real, but it's false evidence. In other words, it's not the truth of God's Word speaking to you. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just the what ifs and the what coulds and this might and, uh, and, and, and you know, maybe this will happen and maybe that'll happen and, and I did this and this is going to be the results of that and yeah, and we've messed up. Hallelujah. Well, you know, you got to come to the point. You may say, Bell, boy, I, I'm worrying because I messed up. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. We've messed up. Well, you got to come to the point where you decide, did Jesus bear my sin or did he not? Right. I mean, if you messed up, ask Jesus to forgive you and hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Then it's over. The devil doesn't have any right to, to slap you down with it. Amen. So, uh, hallelujah. You know, worries and fears are faith that Satan and your problems are more powerful than God. If you're worrying and you're in fear, you're in faith that Satan and your problems are bigger than God. I mean, we don't like to say, boy, I've got faith in Satan today. I mean, I am full of faith in Satan. I am full of faith that my problems are totally bigger than God. Now, you know, see how that brings it into perspective? Because we don't want to say, I've got faith in Satan. But when you're worried and fearful, you're, that's what we're saying. 
That's what we say. We're saying, well, you know, devil, you're going to win. I know you are, <laughs> you know. Um, praise God. Worry and fear are an attempt by Satan to rule and reign in your life and to ultimately take over your life. Did you know the devil wants to take over? Hallelujah. And to get you to speak and receive your fears and worries. That's what, it's an attempt by Satan to take over, to get you so worried and so fearful that eventually you start talking it and he can have an inroad right into your life. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord said to me tonight, he said, I want you and that congregation to defeat financial worries tonight. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways we could go. We could defeat health worries tonight. But we're, that's not where we're going to concentrate tonight. We're going to totally defeat financial worry in our life. So if you don't have any financial worry, we'll just put these bullets in your holster because I guarantee you it's going to come someday. It don't matter how much money you have. I know somebody's telling me recently about... Uh, somebody here in town who has lots of money and how they were grumbling and complaining over their money. And uh, this person said to them, so-and-so, are you broke? And they said, well, yeah, you know now, though, I got a lot of bills. And now, now so and, and she just kept repeating it, are you broke? And finally, after about three times of asking this person, are you broke? Well, no, you know, I'm really not. But so, you know, worry and fear are no respecter of persons. They don't look at your bank account and say, well, how much? You, well, they got too much for me to send worry and fear. No, some of the most worried and fearful people in town, we would look at them and we'd go, what do you have to worry about? You know, we'd just shake our head and go, that's crazy. And it is crazy. Hallelujah. But worry and fear are spirit and they don't respect any persons. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to defeat financial fear. So to do that, we're going to do what? We're going to look at the Word of God and what it says about what God will do for us and how He's going to take care of us. Hallelujah. Amen? So we're going to go over to Philippians 4.19 first. Hallelujah. Now, I just got stirred up about this this week. Because uh, I was spent Tuesday, with while you're turning to Philippians 4.19, I'll tell you about this. I spent Tuesday with my friend Gail Richardson, who just became a widow three weeks ago. And uh, how many of you know you could have fear and you could worry? And uh, she, her husband didn't have any life insurance. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise God. No life insurance. Hallelujah. And... Uh, Cancer, which he had for two years, is expensive. So they have literally sold everything they own to pay the bills, and they have, uh, um, <laughs> don't get sad on me here now, uh, they've sold everything they own to pay the bills, and spent every, if they had anything saved, spent that too. Then went to do the funeral, and the funeral cost $12,000, being economically speaking. And so, and you would think that she would have come to Tuscaloosa and, you know, with a heavy heart and a heavy burden, and I would have had to encourage her. But you know what? She encouraged me. She encouraged me. 
Hallelujah. One thing she told me about that we were just praising God for. I mean, we were just praising the Lord. We just talked about the Lord all afternoon and praised God for this. Of course, he had Blue Cross Blue Shield because he worked for the state. But they don't pay for everything. And every time you go see the doctor, it's $25 anyway. And he'd see sometimes five doctors a day. And that's, you know, that'd be $125 right there. When he, the, when he died, he was on 29 prescriptions. And so, you know, and you say, well, you know, they should have got him healed and everything. This is, you know, even Gail is so right about that. She said, you know, Sam just didn't grab a hold of something he needed to grab a hold of. He, he knew about healing. He went to Raymond. He was a graduate of Raymond Bible Training Center, but he just didn't grab a hold of something he was supposed to grab a hold of. And that's her theory, and I totally agree with her. Amen. She's not blaming God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And so she, uh, but I, I was, we were just so excited over this. When he died, they don't owe one medical bill. And the way she did it is, here's how she did it. She said, I sewed my way out of it. Because, they see, when he, he, he wasn't working, so there were times he didn't get full paychecks and stuff like that because he used up all his days and so forth. And, you know, he had people giving him days and stuff because the state, evidently, you can give away days and stuff. And he had a lot of that going on, so there's a lot of kindness and benevolence. But still, you know what I'm saying, doctor bills and so forth. And so the way she did it, and, boy, I'm telling you, this was so good. She said, I remembered... The story Gloria Copeland tells about the little woman who had all those kids to raise. She was single. I don't know if she's widowed or divorced. And, you know, it was cold. She lived somewhere where you had to have coal to burn your heart furnace in the winter and everything. And she had to feed all those kids and have the coal burning, the coal and everything. And every day she looked through her house and found a penny or something to sew. And she sewed it every day. And and the you've heard the story probably about the coal truck pulling up. Nobody, she never knew where it came from. Dumped a load of coal, last the whole winter in front of her house. Hallelujah. Gail said, I remembered that story. And the day Sam was diagnosed with cancer, from that day till this, I've never left my house without sowing a seed. She said, now sometimes I didn't have nothing but a dollar to sow. And she said, but I had envelopes, you know, how ministries, you know, because we're on every mailing list and all that, and they send you envelopes. She said, I lined those envelopes up, and, you know, sometimes she gave clothes away too. She gave other stuff. But she said, I lined those envelopes up, and every day before I left that house, I sewed something. And by doing that, she doesn't know how, but she came out of that situation with not one medical bill. Hallelujah. And so when she left, man, I am encouraged. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. She has a good outlook on life. So Philippians 4.19, are you there? Glory to God. You know, one thing it just kind of boils down to, folks, is do we believe the Word or don't we? Because Philippians 4.19 is just like, I don't know how you could get more plain than this. But my God, say my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, He supplies our need. And sometimes we get into worry and fear about things that haven't happened. Hallelujah. And, 
and we're borrowing troubles, if you know what I mean. We're not living, this is the day the Lord has made. And give us this day our daily bread. Today, God. And you know, sometimes you're walking through a place where you don't have the future all laid out financially. Actually, I never have got to walk in that place, and I really don't know what it would be like to walk in that place. And I don't even know if, as a Christian, I don't really know if you can walk in that place and be obedient. Because the Bible says not to lay up treasure here on earth, but to lay your treasure up in heaven. And uh, I believe it's God's will... I, I truly believe when it's, it's God's will, when you walk out of here, I believe it's God's will when we rapture out that you don't have one debt you're leaving, but I also believe it's God's will that you just gave away your last dime right five minutes before the rapture. That you don't leave a big bank account laying down here, but you have it out there. In, in the, I, I believe that is God's perfect will. Now, I know that I'm realistic enough to know that's probably not going to happen. Amen. But, but I believe that is God's perfect will, that we, that we live like that. Hallelujah. And that means we have to walk very close to God and listen to the Holy Ghost very closely. And uh, uh, so we're not, and you know, we're certainly not against savings and stuff like that. We're, you know, but if you're saving, I, you ought to be saving with the intent of, I'm saving up till God tells me what to do with this. You know, it's that kind of thing. And, and Hallelujah. Praise God. And if you save and, and maybe you go before Jesus comes back, well, praise God, you know, you do pass it down to your family and that's a great thing. And thank God for inheritances. Inheritance comes to me now in Jesus' name. I'm not trying to get anybody to die or nothing, though. Hallelujah. Actually, I'm believing for a, a, an early settlement, an early inheritance. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, there's parents that do that that say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and give this to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody can get agree with me there. Amen. Just going to go ahead and give this to you. I know Michael's grandmother did that. Went ahead and split the land up between the boys. Amen. Hallelujah. Setting a good precedent there. So, uh, uh, so you know, a lot of times we are just focused on the future in a wrong way when we're worrying and fearing what's tomorrow going to bring. Right? Because, you know, and, and really and truly... Uh, so, you know, you can go to sleep tonight and say, well, I had what I needed today. And you say, well, we didn't, we didn't get to eat supper. Well, if you ever don't get to eat supper, I've told many people this, just declare a fast. You, and there's nobody in here that couldn't stand it. Just declare, just say, kids, we're fasting tonight. The Lord told me to call a fast. You know, I personally don't believe you'll ever get to that, but there wouldn't be anything wrong with us having to call a fast. And a lot of times when we are all, well, we're out of food, we're out of food, we're out of food. Well, if you really go look in the pantry, you're just out of Cokes, chips, and dip, and fruity pebbles. But you're not out of red beans and cornbread mix. And you could, you know, you, you know, you probably got a little meal and, a, and a, some cornmeal, and you know, if you've got... If you've got a little oil, excuse me, a little oil and some cornmeal and your spigot still works, your water's on, guess what you can make? Huh? Cornbreads, hush puppies, or hoe cakes. You've got three choices. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got them. And you know what? They're standing in line three blocks long in Savannah to eat Paula Dean's hoe cakes. 
And that's what they are. I mean, that's what she said on Larry King the other night. They're standing in line to eat them hoe cakes. Hallelujah. And all they are are grease and cornmeal and water. And man, that is good southern cooking. Amen. So a lot of times we're squalling. And it's, you know, we need to get real with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You hadn't lived until you have had fried taters and spam all fried together. Now, I wouldn't eat spam out of a can. Well, I would if we were fasting, you know. But, boy, you hadn't lived right until you've been in the mountains with mountain air. And, and y'all don't even know what it smells like you, unless you've been to the Rockies. If you've ever been to the Rocky Mountains, y'all smelled mountain air. And you are at by a campfire, and you are frying taters and spam together. And my Lord, you'll slap your granny. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't care what they say about spam. Fry it with taters, and it is... Hallelujah. Praise God. No, we're kind of spoiled in the body of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> So where are we going? Second, where did we go? Philippians 4.19. Oh, we already read that. Okay, let's go to 1 Peter. Because we are getting rid of fear and worry concerning finances. So go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I grew up on red beans and cornbread. Thank you, Jesus. My mom could stretch a dollar cooking was concerned. And do you know that that, I mean, have y'all read your Southern history? Because there was no food after the Civil War. That's why we eat poke salad and collard greens and, and the North don't understand it. But man, that is good cooking. Collard greens and cornbread and hush puppies and oh my word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, those northerners, we have some friends that are northerners, and they don't like cornbread. It's like, what is your problem? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And I, I want you to listen, because I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. Likewise, you who are... Now, I'm starting couple of verses before I want to, just for context. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank... Be subject to the elders, the ministers, and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant, so that its covering cannot possibly strip from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them, but gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. God won't do it for you. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He will exalt you. Now, here we, here we go. Casting the whole of your care. Say, the whole of your care. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, say once and for all, once and for all. 
Own him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. I'm going to read that again. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, own him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now we're going to uh, talk about that more in a little while, but let's keep looking at the word. Psalm 55, verse 22. This is the reference the Amplified gives for that very scripture. Psalm 55, 22, and I'm going to read it also in the Amplified Bible. So if you don't, if you want to, just listen. Hallelujah. Psalm 50, sometimes you can get more out of it by listening than looking. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He will, a never, he will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. As long as you walk in your righteousness, you will not be allowed to fall, fail, or slip. There's people that are Christians who don't walk in their righteousness. They come by the church and they say, we don't have anything to eat. And we ask them, are you Christians? And they say, yes. Well, you know, sometimes you wonder if they really are. And sometimes they are, but they've just never been taught. They don't have a renewed mind. And they don't even know they're righteous. But if you, if you know you're righteous in this church, you know you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if you walk in that righteousness by living right, number one, and not getting over into sin in the devil's territory, but more than that, if you walk in your righteousness by, by not letting the devil put you under condemnation, whip you, pull you down, and diminish your faith, then you will not be allowed to fail, to fall, or slip. God cares for you affectionately. He has affection for you. Hallelujah. He doesn't just... You know, sometimes we forget how intimately God loves each individual one of us. And we get that God loves the whole world mentality. And He loves us all kind of just in a big general sense. And he, we're all just kind of thrown in a pot together. And you know, we look over at some people and say, I don't know how He's doing that. But you know... Hallelujah. But, but no, He loves us individually. Amen? He loves us individually. He loves us uh, very affectionately. He really likes you. He really, really likes you. God is not as narrow as we are. He likes people with different personalities. You know, we kind of like the people that are like us a lot of times, you know. Uh, turn to Psalm 37.3. And so He likes you. He wants to help you. He wants to... Uh, you're not having to talk God into being good to you is what I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. He's the perfect Father. Psalm 37.3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. 
If we just trust in the Lord and do what's right, what we know to be right, and you already know what you're supposed to be doing, what's right. We don't even have to have a class on that. Okay, here's some things you need to do. No, if you trust in the Lord and do right, you get fed. You get fed spiritually, but you also get fed, you're going to have food to eat. Hallelujah. It is so, it's so easy, folks. Trust in the Lord and do what's right. And you get fed. In the, uh, let me see if the Amplified says anything di differently than that. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident in the Lord, and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on His faithfulness, and truly you shall be fed. Trust, rely, lean on Him. Hallelujah. I know Pastor got part of my sermon about there's grace. There's grace for every season of your life. There's grace for every situation in your life. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. 3725. Let's look down a little ways. We're getting, we're driving worry out with the word. We're driving financial fear out with the word. Hallelujah. I have been young. And now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. Those that know that they're righteous and are walking in that righteousness, you, ne you never will see them having to beg for bread. Now, you may see them praying and asking God for bread, but you know, I'm talking about you're not going to have to go to the neighbors and say, oh, you know, we don't have nothing to eat. Could you spare a little morsel of y'all's supper tonight? That doesn't happen for those that are righteous and know they're righteous. Hallelujah. A lot of people panic too soon. They don't ever give God a chance to work. You know, they're so in fear and so in worry that they don't just sit down in their chair when there's no groceries in the cupboard and praise God and rock and just believe God and just thank Him and just be at peace. And they never give opportunity for God to come through and have the groceries brought to their door. And they start, they start, they start trying to get, they start getting out in the arm of the flesh. Amen. Praise God. It's true. Say, oh my, oh me. Thank you, Jesus. Or don't say nothing. It won't be incriminated. Hallelujah. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13. Now this is absolutely... I tell you what, I can't hardly read this scripture. This is just Every time I read it, I just get more in love with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to read it. You don't even say this in the King James, just listen. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed. A lot of times, the reason we're worried and fearful is because we just hadn't dug out that old root, that old love of money, that greed, that avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. Listen to this now. If this don't ring your bell, something's wrong. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. 
Listen, folks, that scripture right there, if you don't have an amplified Bible, is worth going buying the whole Bible for. Just to get that one scripture. I'm going to read it to you again, that part. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, three times. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you make that makes you happy? Turn to Rome, no, turn to Joshua 1 5. This is the reference on it. In Joshua, it's Deuteronomy. Right after Deuteronomy is Joshua. Hallelujah. Joshua 1 5. Thank you, Jesus. We are defeating. I'm telling you, the Word of God right now is rooting fear out of your heart. It's rooting worry out of your heart. Even maybe, maybe some of you had some financial worries you didn't even know you had. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joshua 1.5 says, uh, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Amen. You know, truly, truly, if you just want to get honest, everybody in this room has sown seed. We have absolutely nothing to fear. God would have to forsake himself. He would have to prove himself a liar for him not to help you, get you through the situation you're in, and take care of you. For you to have sown seed and God then not to have taken care of you, that is such an insult, uh, such a slap in God's face. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 4.19. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to go till I can't, there, there's not one lack of, one drop of fear left in this room where finances are concerned. Hallelujah. 419. And you know we shouldn't be having any fear over anything else either. Or worry. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 419. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Just... He did not, this is speaking about Abraham, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep His Word. Say, keep His Word. And to do what He had promised. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep His Word and to do what He had promised. Amen. And then I'm going to Psalm 34, 19 in the Amplified. You can just listen. Take this in. Let it minister to you. Let it be like a, a balm over you, a washing by the water of the Word. 
Psalm 34, 19. Thank you, Lord. I think one preacher said, and I love this, as long as you can see the glory, you're going to make it through. Hallelujah. If you ever quit seeing the glory, you know, you've done bought into the lie of the devil and you're, you know, you might not make it. But as long as you see the glory, it doesn't matter what is ahead of you, how big the problem, how big the mountain. As long as you can see the glory, you're going to make it through. Hallelujah. Hold on to that if you can't hold on to anything else. Psalm 34, 19. Many evils confront the consistently righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many evils confront. You know, some of you need to get over it because you're going through something. I mean, it's like, I'm the only one. No. Many evils confront the consistently righteous. And the Bible says, you know, pastors taught on this recently, how the devil's not able to put anything on us that's not common to man. Everything you're going through is very common to Christians, even. Amen? In fact, you're not going through some of the things some of them are going through. You're not a hostage. You're not a Korean Christian that's a hostage. Hallelujah. So we can count our blessings for that at least. Psalm 34, 19. You know, you live in America. You're not a Christian in Iraq that might have to face a firing squad tomorrow. Amen? Hallelujah. And everybody here got in a car and came. You have a car. What's more, you had gas in it. Or you're operating in a supernatural realm. And we believe in that too. Amen? Praise God. Now, the other day, you don't work if you just don't put gas in your car. And the other day, I was on the side of the road because pastor's been, I'm spoiled. I don't have to put gas in my car. I don't have to pump gas. And so I never even looked at it. And it started gulping. And, and it was gulping, and I thought at first, you know, because sometimes my sandal will slip, and i am kind of got my foot on the accelerator wrong, and it's gulped because of that force, so I need to adjust my foot. So I adjusted my foot. Did you know there's a long stretch of highway from Hardy's to the next gas station? There is a long stretch of highway in Northport where there's no gas station, because I was looking for one, because I figured it out finally. It finally hit me. This car, I, well, I looked down and it was past E, going the other way. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, so, hallelujah. You know, when you just don't do it, you don't get the same results of when you can't do it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Praise God. Psalm 34, 19. But God, you know what? He was faithful. He delivered me out of it. You know, I had to call the church about 10 times before I could get anybody to answer the phone. But if you just keep calling and keep calling and keep calling, one of them's going to step out of a room somewhere and they'll be able to hear a phone eventually. So if you ever need us, just keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. Just keep going back to it, back to it, back to it. Hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. And finally somebody said hello. And I said, okay. And, uh, and Pastor dumped the tea out out of here and brought me a, brought a jug and put gas in it. Hallelujah. Now, Psalm 34, 19. Oh, I already read that to you. Uh, now go to Philippians 4, 6. And we're winding down here. Well, it may be. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4, 6. I can't see a clock. Oh, there's a clock. Philippians 4, 6. And I got lots of time. This is our next to the last scripture. 
Philippians 4, 6 in the Amplified. Now this is how we find out, see we found out in a scripture, one of the first ones we read said casting all of your care. Remember? Now we're going to find out how to cast our care. I believe you're convinced from the Word of God that you don't have anything to worry about. That the devil has just, you know, he's a, he is, he's famous for blowing things out of proportion, for making mountains out of molehills. Amen? Hallelujah. Philippians 4, 6. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read verse 6 in the King James. Be careful for nothing. I think the Living Bible says, do not worry about anything, or something to that effect. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, he gives us three things here to do in that verse 6. He says, first of all, uh, well, he gives us four things. He says, not to worry. Be careful for nothing. Or, King, or the Amplified says, do not fret, do not have anxiety. So that's the number one thing that we're to do. And, and, and we know we've got to cast our care here because we were told that in another scripture. And here's how we do it. He, he, prayer. The first thing he gives us, the next instruction besides don't worry, he says, he says prayer or pray. Pray. You know, if you have a load on you of worry and just turmoil and just all this stuff and you're just, your emotions are just, and your head is just gone crazy wild thinking thoughts and your emotions are just all tore up. You need to pray. And the prayer you need to pray at that point is not the prayer of faith. God, I believe I receive. No, that's not what you need to do right here. What you need to do is unload on God. You've got to cast the care. You're not going to do any good praying the prayer of faith till you get this off of you. And we're supposed to cast it over on Jesus. We're supposed to take our burdens to Him. And so you need to unload on Him. You need to tell Him how you feel, all your emotions. You need to tell Him everything about the situation. Un just like you would if... if, uh, if, if Leanne was to be there and she was to walk up and you had all this and she said, how are you today? You might just unload. You know, I know some people, we've, we've all done that before. But you know, that's not really going to change it because the Bible doesn't say, cast your care over on your friend. No, it doesn't. Give your burdens to, to the strongest Christian in the church. No, it has to bring your burdens to Jesus to cast all of your care. So you've got, before you can ever get to believing for anything, you can't believe for something with all that on you. You've got to pour it all out on Jesus. And you know, I heard one woman say this about it, this, this. She said, I make an, I set a time. When I find myself worrying, I set a time and a place that I'm going to unload. In other words, if you're at work and you're worrying, you may not can unload at work. 
You may have to just go through the day. But you say, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go in my bathroom. I'm going to shut the door, and I'm going to unload. And Jesus don't care if you cry. He don't care if you scream. He don't care if you holler. He don't care if even, you know, some of the stuff you tell him may not even be true. It may not. You're just, you're getting rid of it. You're giving it to him. Amen? Okay, so that's the kind of prayer God's talking about here. Speaking from your heart, pouring out your heart, going into detail. Hallelujah. Women love to go into detail. I mean, the men might just briefly tell God, but I'm telling you, we can talk to Him for 30 minutes. And if you want to, hey, if you want to repeat yourself, God's not your husband, and He don't care if you repeat it three times. I mean, God may be your husband if you're a widow, but he's not a human husband. And uh, you can repeat it you can t- until, until you pour it out until you feel like a dish rag and there's just nothing left. Amen. That's the kind of prayer we're talking about here. Remember in James chapter 5, verse 13, we won't go there, but it says, Is there any afflicted among you? Let him pray. So many times we want everybody else to pray. We want to unload on them, and then we want them to pray. But I'm going to tell you something, that don't do any good. And if somebody comes to you unloading, you know what you ought to do? You ought to say, wait, 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 wait. i tell you what, everything you're telling me, let's just pray right now, and I want you to tell Jesus. I just want you to tell it all to Him. Get them over there giving it to Jesus. Amen? And then y'all can do the next thing. But in James there it says, is any... Uh, is any afflicted. That word afflicted is do you have a trouble? Do you have a hardship? Are you enduring hard things? That's what it means. It's not talking about sickness. It, I mean, it tells you what to do if you're sick. Go get the elders of the church and get anointed with oil. But this is talking about another problem. It's talking about having trouble, having hardship, having enduring hard things, suffering trouble. Let him pray. Not get the preacher to pray. Not get the prayer group to pray. Not call your mom and your sisters and... Uh, you know, your best friend, and you try, y'all pray. No, let you pray. And the first way you've got to pray is you've got to pour all of that care, all of that out, and you've got to pour it out on Jesus. Because if you're going to carry it around, it's going to fester, it's going to grow, it's gonna, you're going to be an emotional whatever on the inside. Amen? But you get it out. And then he says, after he said that, after he said, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. And then he goes on. He's not just being t- using two different words here just because he wants to put an emphasis or something. He says prayer and supplication. Now, now first we've prayed. That's a different. Now we're going to supplication. Okay? So this is the next thing we do. First we cast our care or we... Uh, Well, first we refuse to worry, then we cast our care by pouring it out. But now we supplicate. And supplication means now have a definite request. You've poured it all out, now you need to make your definite request. What do you want God to do about it? And of course it's got to line up with the Word. Not kill Him, Lord. That ain't going to work. To the moon. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> no, you can use that in the first part. Tell the Lord, I want to send him to the moon. You know, you can tell the Lord all about that in the first part. But when you get to this part, it's got to be something that lines up with the Word of God. It's got to be a specific request. Not just, Lord, help me. Not just, Lord, bless me. No, what do you want him to do? 
ask a specific request. That's what supplication is. Definite request. And the King James, I mean, the Amplified actually says there, by prayer and petition, definite request. And then the last thing you do, the fourth thing is thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Listen, you can pour it all out and you can ask a definite request, but if you don't start thanking Him and you begin to thank Him and praise Him that He's working it out, God, you it's all yours. I've given it to you. It's yours. Hallelujah. And I just praise you and thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that I'm that we're coming through. I thank you, Lord. You've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. I'm thanking you, Lord God, because you're going to be so encouraged by this time. Because now what it says happens, if you read there, it says, and the peace of God. Because after you've quit worrying and you've uh uh, poured it out and then you've asked a definite request it says and then you've given thanksgiving it says then the peace of God that passes all understanding amen is going to come and a lot of times we don't have the peace of God because we hadn't done these things that we need to do there's a divine order prayer first thanksgiving second peace third everybody understand that now I'm going to go to one more scripture in this Weast Bible and I just want you to pay attention to the... I don't even want... Don't turn there. I'm not even going to tell you where I'm going until afterwards. I'll tell you where it was after I read it. Because it won't do you one bit of good to go there. In this Weiss Bible... Well, I, I'm going to give you a clue by the first word I read. Peter, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Now do you know where I'm at? To those who... Listen to this. To those who have settled down alongside of a pagan population. That's us. We're living by a pagan population. Sown as seed. We've been sown as seed. Throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Chosen out ones. That's us. This choice having been determined by the foreordination, foreordination of God the Father. And then he goes on to say, and you don't know how much this is ministered to me this year. Sanctifying grace to you. Sanctifying means set apart. That's what Pastor was talking about. There is a grace that sets us apart from the world. And you know, sometimes we look at people, how do they do that? If they're Christians, they do it because there's a grace that sets them apart and makes them able to do it. How do people live in Russia on the mission field or Iraq or Afghanistan and they're missionaries? Grace. Grace that sets them apart. How do people have 14 kids? I saw somebody on TV last night got 13 boys and one girl. And I'm going, how? They're Christians. Grace? Grace? How? There's a grace that sets us apart. And when people, you know, you're, we're just not calling on the grace. You know, I, I was thinking about my kids today, Colin and Eric, and I was thinking, uh, and, and, and there's all over town, there's pastor's kids that go, it's hard to be a pastor's kid. No, there's no. it's not. There's grace. There's grace to be a pastor's kid. There's grace, grace to be a missionary's kid. There's grace to be the undertaker's kid. My aunt was raised in the top of the funeral home. Lived behind, you know, and I'm like, how do you do that? Grace. And she's mostly normal. <laughs> My dad doesn't think so. That's his sister-in-law. But I love her. I like her. <laughs> She's a little unusual. Hallelujah. <laughs> the first time she 
met pastor one of the first or second times, she came up to him, took his hand and said, you cut your fingernails too short. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. <laughs> anyway, she's unusual, but you know, there was mostly grace to get it done. <laughs> Hallelujah. But okay. Jesus sanctifying grace to you. And listen to this. Tranquilizing peace be multiplied to you. You don't need a tranquilizer. You don't need a Xanax or a Valium or a... Not if you'll get hooked up to this word because it's tranquilizing peace. And it's multiplied to you. And you can call on the... Oh, God, thank you for your tranquilizing peace right now. If your emotions are distressed, thank you for your tranquilizing peace being multiplied to me right now. Thank you, Lord, you're the God of all comfort. Thank you, Lord, the Holy Ghost is comforting me right now. Amen. I don't care what you're feeling. You know, Gail, when she's feeling, you know, she said sometimes after your husband dies that you'll just be walking along, everything will be fine. It's like it'll just kind of try to grab you. Grief will. It's just like you'll look at something and, and she just, no. No, no, no. She's like, she's doing what the Word says. She's resisting that. And she said, no, now, Holy Ghost, you've got to be my comforter. Because she's having to deal with a lot of things. You know, she said, she told, she's talked to Sam once. She said, I know you're not supposed to talk to the dead. But I told him, you're up there enjoying yourself and I'm down here having to deal with this stuff. You know, because she's having to apply for Social Security and apply for all the stuff that, you know, you have to do. Hallelujah. But there's peace. There's grace. She had to clean out his closet. You know, some widows, they keep the closet full for and leave the clothes for 20 years. She said, you know, it ain't going to bring him back. So it hadn't been three weeks. The closet's already empty. No, hallelujah. Because there's that tranquilizing peace. There's that grace, that sanctifying grace that sets us apart, makes us different, makes us handle things different. Amen. Now, I want everybody up here this tonight that has been being, that's either been in fear or been tempted to fear. Maybe you didn't go there, but it's been riding on your tail. Or if you've been worrying or you've been tempted to worry, I want you to come up here right now because that peace is going to come on you. That tranquilizing peace, that comfort of the Holy Ghost, come on up here. Come up here and stand on the black dots, the black squares. Come up here if you've been tempted to worry. You know, maybe you're just, you know, sometimes we worry over the littlest things. So we're not, you know, hallelujah. God wants to help you tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to get that tranquilizing peace. You have nothing to fear. Hallelujah. Praise, praise God. Well, man, gosh, I hit the Holy Ghost hit it because the whole church is worried. Basically.